Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. The Word of God says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. That's Ecclesiastes 7.2. Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. I'm your host, Travis Tyler, and today joining me is a special guest and a special friend, Pastor Ron Owens, who is actually Pastor Emeritus here at Grace Baptist Church, where he faithfully served for, was it 18 years? You were here 18 years. And uh, we're, so he's going to be joining me today, and our topic is uh, helps for a preacher while doing funerals, and we're going to get a little bit into what we should be doing here. But before we uh, begin into what our job is, uh, how many funerals do you think we have between the two of us here, Ron? Well over a hundred, I'm sure. Yeah, well, well over. I'm nearing that just myself. I think <laughs> I think you told me what you started ministry in 1971. Right. I started ministry in 2001, so I started a little later than you. But you have, if you averaged out what two funerals a year, and I'm sure you have oh, done more. more. Than that, yeah. yeah, we're probably looking at at well up 500 or so for you. Probably. You're you're a seasoned veteran with funerals. Well, I wouldn't say that, but. Uh... <laughs> and that's why I'm glad to have you here on here. All right, so let me let me just start just real basic here, and um, let's just start with what is a pastor's job when somebody dies? Let's say this is, obviously a pastor can't minister to everybody that dies in a community, but let's say somebody within their community faith, either a member or a regular attender of your church dies. What is your job as a pastor? Well, I've always focused and thought about my job as being, first of all, to be a good representative of the love and the kindness of God mm. as I walk with that people. But past that, I have to somehow find a way to connect with those people who are grieving and hurting and mourning, and oftentimes I found that to be just moving close to them and spending time listening to them, seeing where they are, offering presence. Sometimes presence is more valuable than words. Would it be fair to call what you're describing the ministry of presence? Yes. Tell me more about this ministry of presence. What does it look like? It looks like kindness. Mm -hmm. It looks like acceptance. It looks like care or love Mm. extended. And sometimes it doesn't have to do anything. Mm. It it is more a, a sense of being there in their midst and just saying by your presence, I care. And for a minister, would you say it is fair to say that we are representing the presence of God in the situation? That's exactly what I would say, is that when we come to touch the life of that 
individual or a family. We are what they see as the presence Mm -hmm. of the Holy. Let me ask you this. It's been a long time since 1971. We've seen a few presidents since then. So this may be hard for you to remember. But for those guys that may be listening and they're fairly young new pastors, I think there is a tremendous amount of pressure that we feel when somebody dies to do something. Is it awkward at first practicing the ministry of presence? I'm sure that it can be for some people. For me, that was never a a difficulty because when I came into the presence of that need, I always was able to understand that I just need to be me Mm. and I need to be there for them to know that I care, and I don't have to do a lot of things. Right. I just have to love on them, I guess is a good word. Right. Be present and let them feel comfortable that I'm not expecting anything from them. Mm. And that and that allows God to use me yeah. and to let His presence work through me and with them. Now, would it be fair to say when we're at a funeral as a minister, not in our families, right. okay, I'm talking about ministry within, they're either church members or church attenders. That's how you knew them was through the church. That's how you've come to know them through your work with the church or the community. Is it fair to say that we are guests in that setting? I think we are always guests when we're in the presence of someone else's hurt or need. So it would not be wise to make demands as a minister when we go into a setting where people are grieving, right? For me, I can never make demands. I am searching for what I can do to minister to them, and I need to learn. So you're watching? That's right. What can I do to help this family? Yeah, I'm observing. Maybe I can are. go grab a box of tissues. Right. Maybe I can uh, put away a couple dishes or something, Absolutely. something small. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can help write an obituary. You know, I've done mm-hmm. that before. And, you know, I've been in a family. They said, none of us are writers. We don't write. And so whatever your skill is, and I've sat down with my Mac, and we have written out obituaries together. Yeah. So, and, and one of the things with those oftentimes with families, is to sit down and find out what they want. What do they remember about the loved one? And talk about the schedule of what we're going to do Mm -hmm. at that funeral and help let them be the one who gives direction. They don't have anything to do with the sermon you preach, the text you use. But the flow of that. Now, what, Ron, what, how do you handle it when they say, we just don't know what to do, Pastor? We start talking about it. Okay, so then you, in that scenario, you're not making demands, but you right. are making, you might frame it what, say, now in other funerals, people have done this. Right. Would you, is that how you frame yes. it, or how do you say it to them? Well, I might say, uh, you know, some options that you might use. Or consider, right? You yeah. might consider. Yeah. This, 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 this. Right. Uh, Some friends of mine had a funeral for uh, his mother not too long ago. 
and they actually shared this happened. Uh, the pastor came as soon as he found out that the person died, which, by the way, uh, is it important that when we find out there's a death, we get there as quickly as possible? Well, either get there or connect with them. We're living in a COVID-19 world now, so it's kind of harder to get face-to-face. And some, and like, you know, here we had a death from COVID-19, so there it was not a possibility. Right. So it had to all be almost pastoring remotely, maybe is the term mm-hmm. we would use here. But, you know, pre-COVID-19 and maybe post-COVID-19, particularly here in Appalachia, where most of our listeners are, would you say it's fair to say people expect some kind of connection from the pastor quickly? Yes. I believe they expect the pastor to come, call, or set up a time. All right, let's just, let's say that you can get there quickly. Okay. How long do you stay after the death? I've heard some pastors say, I'm going to stay here at the hospital until, you know, the funeral home comes to pick up the body, which that could be hours. That could be sometimes eight to 12 hours because of donation laws and things like that, organ donation. 20 minutes is what we do oftentimes for a hospital call, or does it just depend? It it depends on the relationship with the people, their needs, their expectations, their desires. I've stayed with people for longer periods, but as a rule, you spend the time that you feel like they need or want because they have lots of other things they need to do mm-hmm. once the body is picked up. And I think we'll talk about that in the next episode, right. things that you need to do in yeah, a funeral. But right now we're focusing on what a pastor should do. Let's talk now about are there any other things that a pastor should perhaps avoid whenever you find out somebody has passed like this? Is there something we should avoid? Avoid giving advice. Okay. Can you be more clear on that? What do you mean? Well, when the pastor comes, he doesn't need to have an agenda laid out of things he wants to accomplish, etc. He needs to see where they are and what they want. pastor should not assume that he is going to be the preacher. Mm -hmm. It may or may not be that way. Yeah, and you know what I've found too is sometimes the family assumes that they know that we're going to be the preacher, but they don't tell us, and then that gets a little weird, you know, when we have to ask who's going to do it. And the reason we shouldn't assume is because there are sometimes family members who are ministers. Right. There are sometimes ministers who were their pastor longer than you were their pastor. Right. Like I, I think one thing that's been nice at Grace is we've always had a good working relationship whenever long-tenured members have passed away. Right. It's never been. You know, I think in some churches that can almost be a rivalry thing between okay. the current pastor and a former pastor. And uh, But we've never had that problem. Never had that. And so I think it's good that we uh, work together with former ministers as best we can that, to make yes. it. Because it's not about you and that minister. It's about that family in need. That's right. So anything else to avoid? How about day of the service? Uh should we show up five minutes before the service or the graveside, or how do we do this? Depending on how the setup with the funeral home is, you need to be there before the family arrives, Mm -hmm. if it's at a graveside. Uh, If it's at the funeral home that you're meeting, 
you need to be there in time to spend time with them because they'll be there early. Right. And they'll work through their grieving and you don't have to do anything. It's just a matter of being present, being there with them. And if you have to be late, make sure and communicate with them mm-hmm. that I have another commitment and I'll be there at such and such time. I want to talk to you about self-care after a funeral for a pastor because we've talked about that before. Yes, uh, There is a toll that doing funerals takes on a minister, I would say emotionally and spiritually, which ends up translating into physically, but we'll save that for the tail end in just a minute. All right. Um, at the um, we're seeing now with COVID nineteen, and I think we were trending this way before this. I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in how funerals are done from 1971 yes. to 2020. What I've noticed from 2001 to 2020 is visitation times are getting shorter. Would you say that's accurate? Accurate. Yes. I would say that there is now a trend towards graveside only. Yes. And that's also becoming popular with COVID-19 as an outdoor venue instead of being inside a building. There's less funerals mm-hmm. being done in the church. Less in the church, yes. And there's less funerals being done across the board. Uh, more gravesides, as you mentioned. Um, in fact, I suspect that we're moving toward um, even less gravesides. You may be right. You may be very right. And um, we're we're also seeing um, with COVID nineteen, even things like meals. A lot of churches did to like follow up after a graveside. Those are different now. You know. Um, we're you know seeing meals dropped off to families or gift cards given instead of the potluck style, uh, and I don't know that that'll reverse. I wonder after COVID's over if it'll stay this way or if it'll reverse. I don't know what you think about that. My experience recently has been that families are afraid to accept food from somewhere else where it was cooked because of the. COVID. Yeah, I'll share an ex- I'll share a uh, experience I had not here. It was out of town. Uh, I have family that lives in two other places other than Northeast Tennessee, and I won't say which one, so sure. nobody will know. But the church delivered uh, homemade food, and um, it was apparent that it had been recycled from a previous funeral. And so, guess what we did with it? Yeah. We pitched it. And so I think there may be a trend toward, and and some people don't cook as much. I've noticed there's some that delis have become the savior for some, you know what I mean, in mm-hmm. grocery stores. But anyway, um, now after the funeral's over and the burial has taken place, do you think it's wise to try to connect that same day or wait? Or how do you handle, how have you handled that? Handle it in different ways at different times. Uh, I think it's important to give them some space unless you're really a close friend. Okay. And if you're really a close friend, they may want you to come and have the meal with them. Mm -hmm. 
and oftentimes here in northeast Tennessee as pastors, you become family to those people in the church. They not only want you, they expect you. A lot of times you're asked to have the prayer before that meal. That's right. And, uh, you know, that's that's your job. They see that as that's your job. Part, that's part of your responsibility. And that's not that hard for us to do. No. You know, really. Um, and so then you spend some time maybe fellowshipping with them, meeting right. with them. And, and then it's it's just an investment of being there again, ministry of presence, being kind, right, serving again. True. Very true. But then there needs to be a plan of follow-up. And now how does that work? What would you what would you say is helpful? Well, I think with every family it's a bit different today in the dynamics of what they have to do. But I think that it's important for the pastor to give him a day or so and just touch base with him. You don't have to go spend, uh, just swing by and say hello or call and say... Or text. You've got text yeah, if that's their preferred. You've got texting now. you got all kind of means. Hmm. But it becomes important for the pastor to continue the relationship. Right. Uh, tell me what you think about handwritten notes as follow-up. Do you think that's a good practice? I think handwritten notes are always more meaningful than phone calls. Why do you think that it has that power? Is it Because it's an investment of the person mm-hmm. to take time to do that. Do you give any kind of like grieving resources or material like book, little books on heaven or on grief or anything like that? I do that kind of on a sporadic basis. Does it depend on receptability to such things? Is that what you're Recepti- looking at? Receptability and what I perceive is might be their need. I see. That's good. All right. Um, well, I want to ask you this. How many classes did you take on funerals while you were in seminary? Like most pastors, they didn't offer one. Isn't that crazy? That's part of the reason I wanted to do this is because most of the time they don't. Uh, what are some uh, helpful maybe resources that you've found You know, as a pastor doing funerals? Was it watching other ministers? Was there print materials that you found helpful? Was it all the above? Well, starting out in the 70s, uh, there were no protocols uh, anybody to teach you. There were no classes or no written materials, or at least very little, that I had access to. And... uh, my first experience was observing uh, a young pastor who had come to serve the congregation that I was a part of. And I watched his time spent with the family, his demeanor and behavior when he was at the funeral home, and just his loving and his presence was more than was what was visible, not what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was just there and in the presence and, and reached out to people that he didn't even know. 
Mm-hmm. And I, that's kind of where my modeling. Well, and in and in Appalachia, and this is probably true for you know I think you're from Jamestown, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, I think funerals are very much a part of community life. Yes. So they end up being almost like family reunions here. There's an element of um, you know camaraderie in a funeral. Uh, there's there are all these different aspects and. You know, as you minister to this different crowd, you know, I think your interaction with, say, the matriarch of the family, that wouldn't be uncommon. You may have somebody who died and left a wife. That's not uncommon. Your interaction with her is probably going to be different than how you interact with her granddaughter, who's maybe five or six, or her great-granddaughter, who's five or six, depending on the age. Because children, teenagers, you know, adults, they all are grieving differently, aren't they? They are grieving differently. But what I've noticed through the years is that the family pays attention to whether the pastor's there, even if he's not doing the funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know whether he's there. They know the support. They have expectations that are unwritten. Right. And that makes it hard if you're a new pastor or a young pastor because you kind of have to, and we're trying to help you out with this episode today to know some of those expectations here in Appalachia. Uh, and we hope it is. You can you can let us know if this was helpful today. But uh, And I do think there is an expectation of follow-up, like you were saying, yes, you know, some kind of follow-up in some way. All right, let's talk about, as we get closer to our time being over here, self-care after a funeral for a pastor. Uh, I said a minute ago, I alluded to the fact that, you know, the ministry of presence, even, and it sounds crazy, I'm sure, for people who are not ministers for me to right. say this, but you're not necessarily doing a lot physically. Right. But there is almost like energy being exchanged or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it, but you, when you're done with one funeral, it is taxing. It is. On you socially, you know, emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually. And I think that it kind of borrows from the physical to make up the difference almost. It's kind of the way I view it. Um, do you think that's accurate? I think it's very accurate that self-care of the pastor becomes so vitally important for him and for his family as well as his church. And I don't know how many hours it will be equal to of working or laboring on a job to be involved in a funeral, but I know that it's emotionally, it's physically, and it's mentally. mentally. Mm-hmm. And the pastor needs to carve out some time to go rejuvenate, rebuild himself. And that may mean that he gets in his automobile and takes a drive through the mountains. Mm-hmm. Just him and his tape and radio and whatever it may mean that he goes plays golf the next day or even or goes fishing or goes fishing whatever it is that relaxes him emotionally physically and he also it's okay to take a break from the spiritual push 
mm-hmm. we feel yeah. in those times. That's a good. That's a good way to put that. That is a very good way to put that. Because when you try to minister from exhaustion, nothing good comes of that, does it? Well, nothing good comes from it, and you get angry, you get frustrated, mm-hmm. and burned out. Burned out, and you begin to look for somebody else to blame. Yeah, and we don't want to get there. I'm going to kind of close here. I think our time is is wrapping up here. I hope this was helpful. Oh, one other question. I talked to you about this before. How many funerals do you think you've done in a week? What's the most funerals you've done in one week? Probably three at the max. And it about killed you, didn't it? It's too much. (laughs) And what you do with the time you get to that third one, you're just running on adrenaline. Yeah, you're, you're done. You're done. Because you almost need... One whole day to recover from one funeral. That's right. And when you stack them in there, like log, you know, logs on a fire, it it, it about burns you up. It burns you up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last question here for this: What is the most helpful advice you ever received on doing funerals? Listen, 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 and love, and let people know you love them. And care about yeah that's good all right well thank you so much ron for being with us today any other uh anything else we missed or that I, you wish i had asked you and i didn't today just uh just always for me i have to remember that i'm representing representing the holy right in the midst of these funeral times, whether it be with family, and my behavior has to always reflect love and all the things of God. That's good. All right, well, thank you again, Ron. Appreciate you. Join us next time. We're going to be talking about if you're a lay person or you know, uh, you're know you trying to think through how to do funerals yourself, we're going to give you some help on that. So until next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to AppalachianBaptistNetwork at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.